Please listen carefully. Not saying supple and soft is <laughs> too much, right? <laughs> I recoiled. <laughs> I, I, I recoiled. Yeah, I, I left nice. my body. <laughs> I left my body and just looked out the window and shook my head and then re-entered my body. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister, the podcast where we just don't stop talking about panic for some reason. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Ardo. And that's right. We have an extra host for us today. Fans of the pod will remember Ardo from when we did our crossover episode with Put a Blurb on it. You can go back and listen to that, which you should because it's great. We also did a episode on her podcast, Put a, Bur- Put a Blurb on it, where we talked about our favorite books of the year so far. So we're super excited to have her back uh, after we were yelled at for not including her in our first panic episode. So, Arno, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you're here? So, okay, so why I'm here is because, you know, I was minding my own goddamn business um, like two or three weeks ago when I saw that this podcast was talking about panic, um, a show that I have feelings about. And I was like, wow, why, why didn't I know they were watching it? Why didn't I aggressively insert myself into this conversation? Why, 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 why? And then um, when they said, oh, at the end of that episode, you can join our group chat about um, raised titties. I was like, cool, I will <laughs> take them up on that invitation and wormed my way in. Um, I'm just like a lovely, adorable parasite. Um, and that's how I found myself here. We do love a good parasite. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I, considering we let Nat on the show, I think. Uh, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> to be fair to her face, I have no nothing for that insult. She just, I looked at her and she was there. Could have been me. It could have been me. Could have absolutely. If, Look at these joined If Steph joined calls earlier, she would have been in that spot where Nat's face is right now. <laughs> Um, so what we're going to do with today's episode, if you're here, surely by now, you listened to our first spoiler-free episode of Panic, which we put out because we know a lot of people hadn't seen it yet, so we were hoping to get some people to watch the show. Um, at this point, we probably also put out our special interview with Lauren Oliver, which, like, turns out the best way to get an author onto your show is to, like, mildly insult them, but then not really because you then go on to talk about how good of a writer they are after being like, no, but don't read the book. So that's, we've discovered, I guess you have to neg authors if you want to get them on your (laughs) podcast. Um, So we've done that. And now, because we're just a panic-themed podcast, we're going to do one more. We want to get to some actual meat of some of the wild stuff that happened on this show. And Ardo specifically, she's got some points after listening to our episode. And so let's go through them now, guys. Yes. Yeah, so just for context, why, Ardo, are you passionate about panic? Yes. How did you um, find it? So I found it because I have a Prime subscription for many reasons. I don't want to get into it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to get into it. But it was prominently displayed, obviously, on the homepage. And um, after a few days, I said, you know what? It's the weekend. I'm depressed. Why not get into a show that looks like it's just going to be a chill ride? Started watching it, and I said, wow, do I like this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not to say it's, like, the most mind-blowing experience I've ever experienced, but, you know, there is a reason why the Instagram group is called Ray's Titties. Personally, that wasn't a draw for me. That's something... Uh, these three were very drawn to, and you know no, it what? Took me, it I res- took us by surprise. This Listen, man, surprise. I respect what you glommed onto, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, and we'll get into it a bit more. But the reason why Steph ended up watching this show was what sold me on the show. Oh shit! <laughs> because I, I am like, this man is so stereotypically a douche. Like, I can't even, I can't, I cannot. Even if he, and if they gave him a heart of gold, ill. No, I refuse. And then that scene happened on the car, and I said, oh, I understand. He's someone who ruins lives. Okay. 
okay. I get it now. I get it now. So I want to bring up some, I, I figured uh, a great way to get us started talking about this because I also did not rewatch the show for this conversation. I'm sorry, but I did re-listen to the podcast episode because I have thoughts. So you guys kept saying, my first point is, you guys kept saying Bishop's the only black person in town, but Nat is black. Yeah, Her dad's a whole ass black man. Oh, and I, that's a great point. <laughs> I was like confused because you're like, uh, and two people of color. And after a bit, you're like, oh, and Bishop's the only black person. And I'm like, oh, I, feel I like, don't understand I feel what's like happening. I had that thought during recording too. And I was like, nah. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, and then I'm like, you know what, let me look up this this actress. Even though my eyes tell me this is a black woman I am watching. I'm like, oh, maybe they know something I don't. Maybe she's like South Asian or something. Um, no, she's, uh, her. I think her mom is Afro, is Trinidadian Afro-Latinx. And her dad is some kind of European. Um, and so I'm like, so she's a black woman. Okay, cool. <laughs> You're right. So there were two black kids in the whole show <laughs> there were two i will not take this erasure no of, no that's very of fair taking You're a right. bishop experiencing this whole thing Actually, in one conversation the black, we... so that's three black people oh no wait there's four because there's the other dad because there's the dad yeah. there are four <laughs> at least four the, dad, the dads are not like significant players like yes they matter because clearly something's going on but we like the main characters are the children yeah so we have now doubled the number of black kids in the show yeah there's yeah. probably more but you're right i 100 percent, yes <laughs> that was that was that was one um i'm gonna so i'm deciding to go through points that are like pretty like easy to get through because i feel like the yeah. other points may lead into another part of the conversation the best part is that steph thought dodge was working at a bar what i still bar, think then <laughs> what bar is like it's open in the middle of the day a high schooler like- waltz in there's a fucking coke okay <laughs> a cop strolls in he looks like a like bagel a he's sitting behind like, a long a bar. bar what bar it's a diner like i don't understand how they thought it is this. so obvious isn't there bo- bottles behind him there's bottles Steph- behind him i refuse no no no, 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 no. no, no. I, first of I all there, the, the, <laughs> listen is there is there well it's a small town so maybe it doubles as like ooh, you can have alcoholic beverages not straight up bar but Ooh, that's great. Beer. But the vibe you get is very much You know what diner. it is? It, it's it's because she went and sat at the bar like she was about to get, like, a whiskey Coke. <laughs> but she was also the 17. Energy. The energy. She was ordering a drink she was 17, from another teenager. But also, that entire aesthetic is not a bar. It's just not. It's, it is a diner. It is one hundred. Like if you look at like the like behind. I'm trying her, to find photos to back up my statement, but I can't. Is a diner. I, I am one hundred and ten percent sure. Bottles are behind, <laughs> lining the back of the wall. They could also but... be fancy syrups. <laughs> I didn't see an espresso machine. <laughs> you can go there and you can get like a caramel macchiato. Yeah, one hundred. We made a joke on Twitter. That, like, we don't fact check our episodes. It's just vibes. <laughs> we just say what we think. And if we're wrong, oops, sorry. We based, our inf- we based it on wrong information. And then Lauren Oliver, Oliver obviously called us out on it. So we had her on. And it was, like, a great excuse. But now what I love about this is the third episode is the fact check. We are going to fact check on <laughs> no, 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 no. I love I, this. <laughs> I will say, listen, this is the vibe. This is not the vibe I have for Put a Blur on it. Because I am lucky enough to have listened to the episode. I mean, if I was on here, I would definitely tell you guys that Nat was black, but that's a different separate, like, that's a separate thing. But, <laughs> but I also don't fact check. I, we're not, listen, your podcast, my podcast, we don't have money. We don't have a producer who does the magical Googles, and I'm not going to Google things. I refuse. Did I Google what VIP was? No. For our episode, which will come in handy when you listen to the first crossover episode over at Put a Blurb on it. But did I do that? No, I did not. And I don't expect you guys to. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, also know that I will not bring, I will not bring facts either <laughs> to a lot of these. I won't. I, I, I told you I didn't rewatch the show for this conversation because I refused. Um, but I did think Dodge was a grown ass man <laughs> yeah. when we first met him. So that's fair. That's fair. Did um, I immediately look up his age? Yes. 
Yes, of course, right? And then the money thing. So I thought, because the whole thing was, um, essentially, the entire student body, regardless of, is it just a senior? No, it's just a senior year. Just the seniors. Who's giving a dollar a day from the beginning of the school year till the end. Now, that means each person, I don't know how many people are at the school, but assuming there's no breaks, or maybe they don't care about breaks, they still come for you under one single dollar. Um, but it's what, 1400 and I'm like, how do you get the 50K? How does, that's, how is that possible? That's why I they, was screaming. Did Lauren that answer that? that? No. I don't remember. No, she, <laughs> she didn't because in the episode, even I kind of said like, but I get near the end what happened. And it's the fact that like, because some people are gambling on this, clearly there's financial backing, mm. like from the drug money and from the gambling money going into that pot to make people more likely to do things like that but, seemed to me like yeah. how you got to the fifty thousand. dollars also there has to be somebody that's paying the judges yeah the bag man yeah so who's paying them oh 100 i think it's the people that are like i think low-key the point is that the people that are running this are probably also the people that are running the gambling ring so they're using that money to fund it to get more money for themselves from the gambling ring. That's the that's what I took away from it. And you that's know what? what I also did. That would make sense. But then that leads me to my next point, which is less of a like a correction or anything like that. But like the cops solving crimes, I 100% agree with you guys because okay, there's many levels to this. These kids, are you telling me there's no like dumb kid? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I was like book smart to a degree but i knew my limitations i don't know i you know when they look up at the water tower and they're like okay they figured out the who are these code breakers in in (laughs) these world war ii code breakers in christina's like in her apartment i was staring i was like i don't get it (laughs) i I don't understand what's happening we we were the cops being like but what what's the clue was like I was like I truly was like I'm like what what about if you were a dumb kid and you want to participate in fear and like um I almost said you fear yeah, but I in panic like I don't think you do. and and like <laughs> we're and I and then part of this is the reason why I think because as you, as the show goes on the way in which they tell the their fellow students where to go for panic it's fair that they because they actually changed it up a bit right it became more subtle um but yeah it, it would yes of course you're gonna put it on a top of a water towel tower or like where the movie thing is the marquee uh because who's going to read into that if you're an adult but then when the cops are like being such weirdos about it um you're like all right cool we're gonna have to like make it more sneaky but truly i was like first of all i actually to be fair, even as an adult, I don't think I could code break in that way because you need certain <laughs> knowledge. And I feel like that's fair for the bird cop lady. Like, it's it's totally fair that she's, like, excited. Because I would also be excited, right? But, <laughs> but I don't know, man. I feel bad for the dumb kids because I don't... That, do they, does that mean they need, like, smart friends to help them get through panic? Just to, just to appear. I bet panic clearly has its own economy. So I bet there's some smart kid out there that's like, I'm not going to participate in this because that's stupid. I could lose my life. But I will figure out the codes and sell it to the dumb kids and make my money that way. So there's one little nerd running around the town of Carp that is actually the one solving all of these riddles and is just like... And you pay me ten bucks. Here you go. And okay. he's making he's making real money. Okay, they're all fighting for fifty thousand dollars, but guaranteed that person made like three thousand. Gary's making the real money. <laughs> Gary's okay, but making- like with this chaos of like all these people figuring things out, potentially making money on the side. How? Okay, this is like my biggest question. Like I don't understand how something like this can run without like a specific set of people in charge. You know what I mean? Like consistently. I think That's, they are, yeah, but they're just I think, behind the scenes. I think part of the show overall is kind of figuring that out, especially the way that it ended mm-hmm. with um, Heather finding out that the game is still ongoing. Like, it yeah. hasn't ended. It's still ongoing. We know it's not going to be Nat, because she promised she wouldn't, like, pick the next judge. I thought Bishop was a judge this whole time, because I'm like, he's mm-hmm. sketch. But apparently he's just a bag man, so cool. But that's the thing. If you have kids that are allegedly smart enough, to figure out clues on how to get to a water tower using Greek letters or some shit. 
I'm like, so no one at all wondered. So the pot is fifth is fifty k. Like nobody. But you're telling me that. that if I give you a dollar a day, <laughs> that's and and I I do the numbers and I count and I know that there's not enough of us to reach fifty k. No one's ever been like they were able to solve oh. the sheriff thing, but they weren't like who else is involved. <laughs> No one, no one questioned that 50,000, even though they were like, this is our biggest pot yet, because I guess the previous year had been like 30,000. They're like, now it's 50, and no one questioned that. Still, in my bones, even though now, like, I understand where the money came from, I will never get over that initial feeling I had where I screamed out, $50,000 from what? From where? Listen, also- I didn't question it until you questioned it, to be quite frank. Because I'm like, listen, there's so many unknown variables. How many students are there? I would have to actually do math, and I don't want to do math. But if you're in a town where someone like Heather is just broke, a dollar a day is a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could be saving that. I could have gone, like, the whole boomer mindset of, like, if you don't buy coffee, you'll be rich. I'm like, then, homie, why am I giving you a dollar a dollar a day for something I may not even win back? what i thought so like i thought in terms of like the money they were going to you know how like heather in the farm sees like the list in the farmer's house and the drugs i thought they were going to conclude that the money came from like him and his group of people potentially betting on the games but then they just never went into it because i think the kids don't really get that far to figuring out how i could be wrong about this because it's now been a little while but i don't think they ever really get far enough to understanding how the drugs are related do they even care like I, no, no one point, ever says where did this money come from. I don't think they. But they no one does. Created, That's purely me. They created all these like elements with the drug thing, like the guy that drug deals gets beat up for, I guess, like skimming mm-hmm. on whatever. But like none of that, none of none of that came to anything. Came to a head at the end, right? So I'm just like, so is this like for the next season? Like that's where I'm thinking it gets bigger because I think the drug thing and the gambling thing are more involved. Then they went into like I think in this one they were very focused on the gambling and the corruption of the sheriff, and now the next part is okay. But like, what's the br- like as you go further and higher, higher up of like who is really behind planet panic and who was planning this? That's when you're going to start getting into the details of like mm-hmm. and how are the drugs involved in that? But sort this of thing. is okay. But this is the other thing. If there's people like this that are bankrolling, then surely they would have known that the sheriff was trying to fix the games. Like surely they would, and so that would affect. That would affect their betting. They're I don't think so. I don't think. Of it, I don't think they know the sheriff is fixing the game because the, sh- the sheriff himself is someone who's gambling, right? Yeah, he's. And I think he's want... like. Yeah, he's like a middleman. He's not. I don't think he's the top. And he guy. went after Ray's brother, right? Who was very much a part of the gambling side of it, right? It'll right. be interesting to see how connected the gambling arm of things is connected to the people because they might be two different groups of people. Person, like some, you know what I mean? Yeah. People who created Panic and the gambling, ga- uh, yeah. gambiting gambiting gambling side of things gambling um but i think <laughs> gambling um but yeah i think it's, it's it's very it's very interesting i think i i would i think it'd be really cool to have a character uh lauren oliver uh you can steal this idea but i think it'd be really interesting to have a character because this is for them is tradition and so what happens when it's something's tradition people are not going to question it so i wouldn't be surprised if there are some people who are like sure i'll give you a dollar a day because it's tradition and that's what's going to happen I am, however, surprised that there isn't at least one person, a Josh, if you will, right, from, like, <laughs> Fear Street, um, but there is a character who's, like, I'm so obsessed with what panic is. Who's behind it? Like, it's a fun little mystery in your boring-ass town, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, you're going to want to, is there someone who has a, a, a panic board, right, who has red string and, like, who who's at the top? Like, I, like, murder that board. vibe. Murder board. Murder board. <laughs> Yeah, murder board, murder but it does lead me to my um, next point, which was you guys asked, why didn't Nat play the game, right? And the thing is, you always had a judge, at least one judge, playing the game, right? Because the sheriff's son was a judge who was playing the game, and that's how he ended up dying, right? Because he knew that the bullets, he was in charge of the gun and had swapped it out. So for her... In order for you to be the judge and not peop- and not have people wonder if you're the judge, because if you're not actively participating and you're not a host, then you could clearly be the judge. And you can't be a host because they already suspect that they know more than they do, right? Like the two hosts that yeah. I don't know, I forgot their names uh, because the other guy, <laughs> the other Somewhere guy, is... the other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name, but I loved him. 
I, I think we, of him as Ryan because he's in Fear Street. <laughs> we talked about this with the episode with Lauren Oliver because we didn't go too far into too much because mm-hmm. we didn't want to spoil that Nat was a judge in our first episode. So I think we were more like, at least from my perspective, the reason I we I think we able to came, we came to the conclusion that Nat was a judge early on was because we couldn't understand why like her motivations for playing the game. It was a bit odd because she seemed to not need the money the way that Heather did. So at one point we were like, is it just that like her dad doesn't approve of what she wants to do? So she needs the money so she can leave like it. There was just something about the intensity to which she was playing the game that didn't fit right. But I think it was really well done because then you realize it didn't fit right because she was the judge. She was getting paid to be the judge. And that's why she was motivated in the way that she was. And Lauren Oliver was talking about it in like a way that was actually really interesting of like, she had mixed emotions because she's a judge. She's got to be impartial. She's got to move the game along. But now Heather's involved and obviously she wants Heather to win. So I thought a really interesting thing she was talking about was that her part of her connection with Dodge was like, even though she liked him, low key, she is trying to sabotage him because she would rather see Heather win. And it just That's, opened up a lot yeah. of like really like, interesting things as soon there. As she said that she partnered with him like just to get information on him, I was like, that this makes so much more sense. Like, I mean, obviously she was doing that, but like having Lauren Oliver say that, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, not even I. I didn't even take it as per se that she necessarily wanted Heather to win. I actually thought Nat was trying to be impartial for most of it. Like she gave. And to be fair, Heather got a raw deal because a lot of the things that didn't work out for Heather was because of things outside of her control, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like she played the game and lost fair and square. So that made sense for her to create situations where um, she helped Heather come back into the game, for example. But I do think part of Dodge is that everyone, these are the, the entire year leading up to Panic for that senior class is a perfect time to get information on people. But Dodge, Dodge, Dodge <laughs> is is this like unknown stranger, right? So I, I I'm like, yeah, it makes sense for it to get close to him because when you see that second last um like thing that they do that Heather didn't end up going to, where it was about getting their you know secrets and things like that, yeah. it made sense for her to get close to Dodge because you don't know this person, and part of panic is using your fears and mm-hmm. kind of daring the person to but go, do, are you going to panic now? I do think Nat helped her because the, the tunnel Nat got her into, she wouldn't have been able to find a way into the farm, but Lauren Oliver said that it was literally Nat that helped her into the farm. Yeah, you're right. By making sure she stayed in that tunnel, yeah. she got into that house and she wasn't uh, in like bullet, uh, she wasn't in like fire's way. Yeah. Which is very risky as well, right? Because he could have come in. <clears throat> At any point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's true. That is that is true. Um, yes. I, the So I, I have two more points and then whatever it is. Bishop's dad. So it's really interesting when you guys this. talk about Bishop's dad. Because I had some thoughts about this. Because you're like, why is he, why does he hate Heather, all of that. It's, I feel like it's a bunch of things. And a lot of it does stem from race, right? He is essentially an exceptional black man in that town, right? Oh, there was, so there's actually five black people, right? You have Nat and her dad. You have Bishop. Let me make sure that I'm not erasing people. You know what? Just to be safe, there are multiple black people. <laughs> um, but the main ones that I could remember um, are Bishop and his dad, Nat and her dad. But specifically, there's also that junkie guy who ended up dying oh, yeah, in the yeah, house. Yeah. Now, he was a junkie for a very specific reason in terms of, you know, I think he came back from war and he had like a whole like, and his dad used to be sheriff, just a whole thing, right? But when you have even a small town situations, right, where even if you knew people since they were kids or whatever it is, race is never completely removed from it, even if they're like, oh, but you're just bishop. You're not really one of those blacks, which a lot of black people have experienced in small towns or whatever it is. Um, But I think, and although they didn't really dive into that in the season at all, but I feel like the dad stems from this idea that he's this exceptional black man who is not only a black man who is a judge, but he's a black man um, who lives in a town that is very much dealing with a a big population that is in poverty, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Or in low income. And so... For him, it's like twofold. It's like, I, you don't know what led to me coming up here, 
and now I want to protect the wealth that I deserve to have because at any moment I could have that stripped from me. But at the same time, I do think, and people tend to forget, that there is a tense relationship between a black man and a white woman in terms of dating and being involved, right? Historically, that doesn't work out well for black men, right? In terms of when you get involved with a white woman. Now, Bishop's dad probably thinks, like, many things, right? Like, um, him being accused of something or even as something as simple that may not necessarily be related to race, but like uh, then getting this person pregnant and now feeling like he needs to support this person as a way of the entrapment, like whatever it is. But I do think a lot of these feelings stem from um, uh, like race, which I found found very interesting. And I think it would be even more interesting to see that delved even deeper. But I also don't think, because I think Lauren wrote all of this by herself, I believe. Yeah. Yes, but she did talk about in her interview with her um, wanting to have an actual writer's room for the next season to have to be more to points of view yeah. and, and to. Yeah, because I think more. I think the second what would be interesting for the second season is to even flesh out more of those things. Right. Because mm-hmm. I do think Heather and Ray are very interesting characters in terms of it's not just a in terms of, you know, financial struggles and things like that. But like Ray's like abusive family for example, was very captivating and interesting. Um, and and having that juxtaposed, like having that juxtaposed with like, you know, like class between all of them. And, and the thing mm-hmm. about panic, the, the very essence of panic is about money, right? It's about survival. It's about getting out of this town. And the fact that this town doesn't have opportunities for people to thrive, right? It's usually just survival. So that's very interesting. But I do think... If there is a second season, which I would be surprised if there isn't, I don't know. I'm just assuming that I'm the sole person that's helping the show get to season two about how intensely I feel about it. And that's how it works, right? You get season renewal by just feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it would make sense if it does come back that the deeper you get into the more of the intricacies of how panic works, I think is beneficial for her just to have other voices in the room to kind of yeah. like, this is my theory. And then have her, people be like, Oh, does that work? It's just, that's just generally helpful in a writer's room, but also to dive while you're diving deeper into panic, having to also dive deeper into the issues of this town. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the point. The issues of the, of this town is what drove people to participate in panic. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it would also be interesting to have, the adults more involved as well because you can't tell me that people who grew up in this town have never experienced panic. yeah exactly and the also, question is why do they let it keep happening and the think, argument for that think, is how because i personally yeah. if i was uh, like heather's mom of course i would i'm surprised she didn't say did, did they have an um a conversation i don't remember about panic like are you a part of so. panic or something like I don't that i think so no. and i think that's she, why there's the talk- question too of like how long has this been happening because presumably those um police officers grew up in this town would have been in high school so they should have known about panic so, like, if it had been happening that they long know ago the games <laughs> but that's why i'm thinking it must be newer than that it was like seven, i think it's seven years old isn't it am i imagining that I don't know. What you're I, maybe they said that. I don't remember. Well, the way they possible. talk about it is that they haven't ever actually given it a time. It's just yeah. always been a thing. And, and I, I wonder if it's in- knowledge that's passed down to seniors. I don't know. One thing I think could be interesting is it almost reminds me of that Doctor Who episode where there's like a multi-generational war. They're like, it's been going on for generations. We We hate these people. We're trying to like fight them and fix them and we have to do it we've lost so many people to do it and then through the episode of doctor who you just sort of find out that everyone that's born there is born through cloning so they're all only actually like a couple days old so this entire war has only been going on for 17 days but because they all get told the story passed down it feels like something that's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years and they have no clue that it's been not even a full month and so I almost wonder if it's kind of like that, where maybe Panic is only seven years old, but by nature of like high school students leaving and then the previous seniors telling it, it feels like something that's mm-hmm. existed forever because you only have to be in high school four years. So as I mean, long as it, it's older than four years, there are people who have grown up with it their entire high school life. Yeah, it could it could have gone, maybe it's like a decade old because that would technically still track, right? The adults yeah. wouldn't necessarily know about it, but I just found that interesting, but lastly the thing i wanted to talk about in terms of reacting to your 
podcast, but I don't think you guys, I think you, it was part of you not talking about it technically because of the fact that it was non-spoilery was the sheriff. I will say that's mm-hmm. the one thing that didn't track with me. And I'll, and this is why Ooh. I think the So ultimately the sheriff is revealed to be the person who has done all these awful things. Like he berated and um, his son's girlfriend who was pregnant with his son's child um, and like saying really terrible things to her as a way to get her out of the game and, and all of that. Um, and has essentially led, like the way he treated that whole situation has led to his son taking his own life, having a gambling problem and then using this ruse of we need to find out who's doing panic or whatever as a way to then win panic. Right. Cause he works with Dodge, who is his Trojan horse lies to him about the, about the fact that it was Ray's brother that killed, that had run over his sister, et cetera, et cetera. Right. My thing is, I think, and this is only because of the other ways in which Lauren has, uh, and I'm, I just like calling Lauren Oliver Lauren, like as if we're friends, but I don't, I don't know how to behave. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know her, but she's also it's, not like it's 80. It's Miss Oliver. Miss Oliver. But uh, Lauren was, um, but the way she wrote other characters. And so I thought it was a missed opportunity because the thing is when you are gambling and when you're that desperate, even the things you would have normally never done, you would do because of that desperation. But the way in which they painted him, the way he, he dealt with the girl and the son and just his overall behavior, he felt a bit cartoonish in a way. Like, I do believe he loved his son, but the way in which he hurt his son felt off. Um, I think it would have, I think that's the only note I would have made for this season. Well, probably not the only note, but I think I would have found it more interesting if he inadvertently, which he kind of did, but like more so inadvertently did things that led to his son's death that he felt deeply and like he knew that he did it and kind of hid it from his wife as opposed to it being revealed, right? Um, and then, you know, when you're, that, I don't know what that business term is, when it's a sunk cost or something where you feel like you've already put so much into it and you've already had something so horrific happen that you just have to keep going and then it would explain his cruelty even more, right? Because I felt like, I just felt like the way it all laid out on the table, I'm like, this guy's pretty cruel from the moment he, like there's a difference between you having a gambling debt and being desperate to you being just outright cruel. Like there's ways in which you can get money, but it was, ah, for me. I think knowing kind of where... Lauren Oliver's coming from in terms of abuse I will say the sheriff does reflect someone with a narcissistic tendency so in terms of that I think it aligns really really well if she's reflecting on maybe something from like her own experience but seeing the way he even reacted to his son's death absolute narcissism like there's like there is something where they always make it about themselves no matter what so like even if he is hurt by his son's death he also sees it as an affront because it is something that his son did to fuck up the sheriff's life. So even though he might love his son in some way, there's something so deeply rooted in that narcissism that like affects the way he reacts to everything. And I say in that sense, absolutely fits the bill. You know what it is? I think it's because I didn't get a sense of his relationship with his son. Yeah. I think that's sure. the weakness of it. If that's the case, then everything would track. But I don't think, I think that's partly because of the relationship with the wife is also Mm. off because it made it and when she was talking to that bird cop lady she didn't (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so happy (laughs) i like feel maybe like a little bit bad but i'm also low-key very happy that bird cop is sticking the bird cop lady um uh, truly because i don't remember her name uh but she shows up in another show (laughs) and i was taken by surprise cruel summer which no one's watching (laughs) maybe i'll watch it now none of us (laughs) none of us are (laughs) But it's, None of us it's, have responded. I think when she's talking to the lady about, oh, like he would, he would, you know, it was very much about him being depressed and wanting to hurt himself, and 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 I think that time being spent talking about that to explain how the gun got swapped and all of that didn't really. I felt like um, the usage of the wife, in, in especially in those early episodes, kind of laying the groundwork of that showing because it sounds like a lot of this stemmed from panic right if that like the fact that what he did with the girl and yeah i I can believe he's a narcissist but not to the point where like i I feel like if it had 
kind of set the groundwork a bit better with the son in terms of what his life with the son was? I think he would have already had this problem because he was already having money problems before panic, before he started. Yeah, money. But that's the thing. Money problems is very different from, like, say, the narcissistic element of it. You know what I I mean? I would say they're tied. (laughs) Are they? In my opinion, from my own experience. I will say sometimes it can be tied together. I think a lot of people with narcissistic issues lead to monetary issues specifically with regards to money. However, I am going to say what I think is interesting in where I can understand what you're saying. Don't necessarily agree with it. But here's where I'm going to say the three of us watching together and feeding off of each other (laughs) may have helped us. Because you're making a lot of good points that technically there's not a lot of groundwork laid to explain why he's like that. But what happened in episode two is that at one point, this man who is a sheriff, who is trying to rally everyone to investigate panic because his son died in it last year, as well as his son's girlfriend, is chilling in his fucking office yep. with feet his up. feet on his desk, I holding like, a paper you know airplane. And they roll up. And I remember me, Nat, and Seth were all like, fuck this guy. I don't trust him. I Why are you like this? I looked at this man and I was like, this sounds like my dad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I literally was like, I recognize this immediately. Yeah. It was one of those things where I think we all fed off each other to be like, that one single moment was the precursor that laid everything he came after His that. Because body we walked language, in with that's who he was. I will say this actor, excellent body language. I was like, I hate First- you so much this actor by the way is one of the cops in without a trace if you remember that show without a trace the moment he showed up i'm like that's a without a trace man wait a second (laughs) he's also in the show that i was mentioning uh what was the one that is also on prime tell me your secrets oh um uh yes oh god i love that show he also he plays the what's his like the psychologist or whatever that's been like the whole time i was like i can't trust you i don't like I Very don't I already know what you're about from panic. I didn't like him because he was sleeping with Dodge's mom and I was like I'm not about okay, But that life. but that was Matt, oh we never talked say? about this. But Dodge's mom, I, that was her scheme the whole time. Yeah. I was so into that. I was, the very first time you find out they're sleeping together, and then Dodge has the conversation with the mother, and, he's like, and she's like, he goes, you never liked cops before. Like, you hated them. And then she goes, yeah, but I never needed one before. And before you know everything, it's such an odd line. But once you realize that she's essentially using him to try to get revenge on the person that paralyzed her daughter, like, that's yeah. what she means by need. Just- and then she joins out with his his wife to fuck him that over. Scene, that okay. scene was... I love the sentiment of that scene, but... <laughs> that's what I think, like, that's the time you're just like, you know what, you need to go with it. There's a tiger on the loose. There's a CGI tiger on the Listen, loose. Things are, things are wild in the U.S. Things are wild. No, 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 I believe... <laughs> Listen, I, would, I believe the tiger being a thing. I just find it funny <laughs> that she shoots him. Yeah, 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 no, no, we all watch Tiger King, right? Like, we know this. <laughs> but, like, uh, which, by the way, I was like, oh, is the secret that she has a tiger without a permit? She's like, no, I have a permit. And I'm like, then why are we talking about this? <laughs> what is this for? But, <laughs> but no, I was like, I just love that the tiger is like, she shoots her husband. And the tiger's like, hmm, now, do I eat this human that seems to just lie down now? Or do I eat this human who seems to be more of a challenge? And I like challenges. And then it's like, no, I'm just going to eat this easy meat here. So, uh, so you he's, know, he's been hand fed by tiger. his mother. <laughs> yeah. He's used to meat being thrown at him. Yeah. And this one was also. I also have to say, one thing I enjoyed about the relationship with the sheriff's wife and the sheriff that I thought was an interesting way of telling a story, at least in the way that I interpreted it. I think this is one of those things that you could see it multiple ways. It's probably true. I think that she blamed herself for her son's death when she thought it was an accident. She really blamed herself. And I think his addiction, his gambling, I think he blamed everyone else including his son for it. I don't think he ever considered, I don't think he was walking around feeling like he somehow was responsible, even though he did things that led to it. I think, and then the moment the wife realizes that the son made the choice to end his life, specifically as a response to things his father was doing, almost freed the mother from feeling like it was her fault. Like, I think she'll probably always carry a pain like that, but she was able to then 
turn her like agony into a rage with a specific person to focus on but it was also an acknowledgement to him for the first time ever that this was specifically his fault and any pain he might be feeling about his son's life he cannot blame anyone else except for himself and he now has to take on all of that agony and all that despair that was drowning his wife for a year like i really liked that moment for me because there was just a lot that i saw happening that again maybe isn't intentional but that's how i was taking a look at it do you think do you think in that moment he actually felt bad for his part in it because i feel like Hmm. if you're a narcissist right and your goal because who was it someone had told me that a narcissist is someone who just hates themselves yeah essentially right and i think i think he would until the very end not take ownership of or the blame for it right well being caught and being seen like that i think what they're feeling at that moment is more um anger that they got caught or not guilt but like regret that they were caught and they couldn't get away with it that's usually what i see it's not like a sociopath thing it's more of like a I don't know. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but... Mm, yeah. I can see it's almost like he's put all... Like, he very much has airs the whole time. And yeah. slowly, all of his pretenses fall apart as his plan for panic falls apart. And really, the death blow in it falling apart is his wife realizing what's happened. And so, like, there's probably that moment of, like, everything you've been trying to keep from the rest of the world, everything you've been trying to hide about yourself is now directly staring you in the face. I think at the end of the day, they for me, I didn't read him as a sociopath in the sense that he was not upset by his son's death at all. But I think he was getting through it with the addiction, with the outward forces that he was putting out there. Like, he wasn't actually really addressing that it happened at all. And that's why he was able to act the way that he act. So I would think that in that moment, when he sees himself the way that she sees him, and he is confronted with that... I think there's probably a lot of guilt and hate and shame and that directly leads him into the spiral that mm-hmm. he then does for the last like mm-hmm. two episodes. Uh, yeah, I but I think you could look at it either way. Like he could be someone generally that doesn't care because he does very much walk around with this attitude of like I just the my con- the consequences of my actions don't matter. I just have to get to the next thing. Yeah, I wouldn't say, yeah, I I probably wouldn't say straight up sociopath, um, but the narcissism bit of it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah, I think, I think that's all very interesting. Do you guys know, do you have a suspicion of who could be, who the second judge is? Do you think it's someone we've seen? The second judge can't be anyone who was in the game, because that was natural. So I think we have to start looking at the adults because I think it has to be somebody who is, or maybe not, because the people, I guess the adults are probably the people running it. The judges don't necessarily need to well, be. I thought it was interesting that the friend, Ray's friend, left early and was like, nah, like, I really don't want to do that, that one, one game. And remember, he left really early. Oh, no, I think dealer. that. Oh, I don't think it was a judge, though. I think he just had a limit, but then he realized he really needed the money. But it, I could be wrong. It could absolutely be that I, he this was... Is, this is the thing. Like, I was like, why would his limit be here? This is just, like, this is my only, like, I was like, uh... They never say <laughs> that a judge has to be a high schooler, do they? I don't think they do, no. Cause they like, just say that the judges pick the next judges. I feel like my yeah, theory... I thought it was, like, the seniors from the previous year pick the new senior judges. Do you think... Do you think... Do you think Bishop's dad's a judge? That's what I was gonna say. Okay, here's that's my. What I was actually yeah. coming when he was from. like a if judge's not run a... in the family. I was like, Sir. yeah. <laughs> if he's not a judge, he for sure is someone running the game. Yeah, because I'm like that person who's running. Okay, so my theory of why this started was it's probably started in the recession because the small towns were hit the worst mm. because all big, um, not companies. What do I try? Factories closed. Like, you couldn't really live. So how are you going to get out of a town if you don't have any money? So, they, like, they created panic. And then the way to fulfill or, like, sustain people staying in that town or, like, having something going on would be someone who's, like, really involved in the city and wants it to survive. And they've kept this going for X, Y, Z years. And they've involved the adults. They've involved the kids. There's probably more stuff we don't even know about. So I'm assuming 
it has to be Bishop's dad or like a mayor or like someone high up so who's overrunning, <laughs> who has a murder board in their office somewhere. The only reason Harp is able to stay the way it afloat because is of because panic. of panic. Because of panic. Panic. I wouldn't. Because of the lottery. <laughs> Well, yeah, like that's you're essentially have, what it is. But you're gonna have all the details of every person who's worked in Panic, who's played Panic, who has like some slight association because obviously that person has info on them. Because how else are they getting chosen to be those specific people? So it's gotta be someone with, a, like I said, a huge mortar board in their room for I years and years really, and years running this thing. I really enjoyed Nat's like mini murder board. Her like she's. I was just like, excellent work, Nat. I would like to see the full thing, please. Thank and you. And that's the thing. It The thing is, Panic is such an undertaking, right? So you would have to assume it had to be around long enough to not just be normalized. Because let's be honest, like if it was introduced the first year and you're like, you could win $50,000 if you jump off a bridge. And you're like, I mean, I don't know, man. Am I that desperate? But also there's but yeah. no, you kind of need things to happen enough for it to develop a folklore element to it, but also to prove, because there's no guarantees these people actually give you money afterwards, right? And so you need proof that you can win. It's something that can be won and mm-hmm. that you actually get money out of it. Because by doing that, you've now incurred the trust of people to participate in it, right? Oh, I will win this money. It's more reasonable than the lottery. But they also seem to have multiple gambling opportunities because there's like the derby as well. Yeah, but it's small fry, right? It's not like a single pot of money that an individual... You're not right. making that much bank at one place in carp, right? You know what I wonder, too? It's also like... It's not like Panic had to start with a fully formed idea of what it was going to be. Yeah, Panic could have been a group of seniors just pranking each other or daring each other more and more elaborate, and they all decide, we'll pitch in a hundred bucks each and whoever does the wildest shit is the person that will get the pot and that just had to happen one or two times before one person was like i we can make this bigger we can make this more interesting and then it just it takes one person with a prank to re it started with a prank. <laughs> this is what, what if they need? pull like a fear street where they go back in time and show the beginning of uh panic that's well, what I'm saying. And it turned out yeah. it's been happening for years and just nobody told anybody they thought it might be a cop one day. Panic, 1666. <laughs> but, oh but I want the season two panic that's like four years down the road. Like I said, four years down the road because you can see, has it kept going? What's still the same? What, what judge has fucked up? Who's still around? Like that, that's my, I, that's my want for season two. I personally would like... And I feel like that's a great idea, but for like farther down the road. And I would, and yeah. I would do an even bigger time jump, to be honest. Ten but what I want is literally a year later, which they would have to do because panic happens over the summer, right? Uh, but I would do it a year later, and then it's summer break because I find it would be more interesting because you have people like um, m- maybe Heather goes to that program, but she comes back home for the summer, and Ray maybe their relationship has changed because she left. And he stayed. And then Bishop and, and Nat had all left and the kind of like a reunion. And so now, because they're older and they're kind of removed from panic, at least it frees them up to actually investigate panic. And I think that would be interesting because then you could also have them deal with issues that they haven't dealt in the first one, right? Whether it's race or whatever. But also people underestimate. You see this a lot in like, I want to say like YA or like adult book geared to like early 20s. But you, you underestimate how much life changes, the the the, mm-hmm. the year of of being away even if you never left right because here in toronto we have three different universities so most people are just commuting to university but that experience of being a, a year away from high school and then having conversations with people that you knew in high school it it's a very different take right it's the idea of coming home from thanksgiving feel fast forward to when her sister could be involved in panic that would be- that's one of the things we thought i feel like they can't fast forward that much into yeah. the second season mm-hmm. but i do like kind of think that that's a really good entryway to have a heather line story heather story of like her deciding to look at panic again because oh god yeah. what if it happens to her sister i feel yeah. like there also- needs to be like if they're investigating in the next season i feel like there needs to be a reason other than the fact that they the, the games have restarted like i feel someone like someone has to die gonna again. die yeah. yeah i feel like somebody's gonna die <laughs> Like, also, at the start of Panic, do you think? Because it would have to be... The more riskier stuff tends to happen. Well, that's not Maybe true, all the judges but... are mysteri- mysteriously dying off, and no one knows why. 
So their clues are getting judges, up on time. Old judges, and then Nat is a tar- is targeted. That shit. That. Yes, that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's the storyline. Oliver, this is your thing. Yes, storyline. But I'm, I'm curious whether book two is gonna match up with season two. Wait, there's that a second there? book. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple questions we didn't get a chance to ask her because we just didn't have the time. And one of the ones I really want to know is. Are the book and the TV show going to match each other? Of like, this is the book version of the storyline happening in the TV show? I don't think, show? can it happen? Or because is the it's book different. universe one, and is the TV universe the other? Did the book and the TV one match? No. I then, Yeah, I don't think it would match anymore then. Because I was like, but I But what, the ways that they didn't match were mostly related to, like, Hard you know, some characters were a little bit different. But the from what Nat was saying, the book does not go into how panic works, who's investigating panic. It's literally just Heather's experience through panic. So I feel like it's probably vague enough. Ah. You probably could. Or are they going to be two drastically separately things? Will they feed into each other? Will it be the idea that like it is happening in the same town? But maybe the book will be like, there's a time jump in the show. So the book is the years in between the time jump. Like There's a lot of interesting ways they could play off of each other. Are the books ongoing? Is she like writing them... Well, it was just a standalone just for the longest time. Like, it came out in, like, what, 2014, 2013? Yeah. Um, standalone. And then Panic the Show happened. And then I guess she must have announced, like, it was going to be serious. Or her, like, publisher was like, let's make it a series. Ah. Or it could be, like, if there's concern that there's not going to be a season two. But mm. she has so many ideas now based on what she did with the show that she was like, well, I have to get them out somewhere. So if there's not going to be a season two, I'll make a second oh, book. That's tricky, man. That's tricky. And Only also, because you don't want it to be a George R. R. Martin situation, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do know, like, she also pumps up, pumps out books very fast, I feel like. So I feel like we'll be fine in that sense. But also, I'm thinking now with, like, everything that she's written into the show's, like, screen, like, screen script, sorry, um, into the show's script, I feel like that's going to affect how book two and if it's yeah. there's going to be a book three. Yeah, because she was saying she wrote around the actor's chemistry. Yeah. And like yeah. people who had really great chemistry obviously ended up together. And that's <laughs> Ray. That was really interesting because you were talking about Ray earlier about being like, oh, like he's a douche. They're going to give him a heart of gold, blah, blah, blah. But then she was talking about how he was just supposed to be a douche. He's a one dimensional character who's just supposed to be a dick and supposed to be like a vague, not even a villain, just a nuisance in the background. Yeah. But they were having trouble casting him and they found Ray Nicholson and they were like, he is really great at this role, but this character is not one note anymore. This character mm-hmm. is like multifaceted. And then so then you get such a huge storyline with Ray. He's a major character when he started off as like an absolute nothing. Yeah, I yeah. think I think they did. Like I will say as a as a you know YA show, it's actually one of the better ones mm-hmm. that I've mm-hmm. experienced. Um or I should just say for like one of the teen shows are like the, one of the better ones. Um, oh God, I was going to say something, but I totally forgot what it was. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I know what I was going to say. It was about panic. The book. Oh, um, I think just because now the book is not out yet, but the book series, she did establish it as being a primarily white cast. So I feel like because you've now introduced racialized kids, and I'm assuming with regardless of what she ends up, like the direction they end up going, whether it's Steph's time jump or the I did like the like the one that most people would assume would happen, the way it ended with Heather, that it would be an immediate, either immediately after that moment or a year for mm-hmm. the next one. But if it is a year after the next one or whatever, whatever the new crop of uh, panic people are i think it would be interesting to have even more racial like racialized students um in that makeup um and i do think that when you add racialized people in a small town right and you are talking about class you can't not really talk about like the race elements of it and i think that's when if anything it'll deviate from the books a bit right um so that, yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to say the least yeah I have to say, so we've been going, the episode's now an hour long. <laughs> we initially were like 30, 40 minutes, built a little timeline. But I think it's like a credit to how good and interesting the show is. 
that like I'm not I'm I'm honest, I'm not finished talking. I could keep going for another hour, but we have to end this at some point. But like I want to dive deeper into the conversation about Bishop and the sheriff. I think it's like really interesting that they clearly live in like possibly the nicest town in this entire town. Bishop and, and the like, sheriff? The, the, the judge, sorry, okay. the judge. Um, and that, like, just the fact that it's not just that he's successful. He is a judge. So he is actively responsible for, like, a lot of directions that some of the people in these lives town take. So there's definitely going to be a lot of people that put a lot of shit on him for different things. And I, like, I could watch a whole season about that. I have so many questions. So interesting. Bishop, a year away from his father, what he's, what is he going to be like? If yeah. he gets even a taste of not being underneath his thumb and gets a taste of who he is on his own. Like, there's so much place we could go. Which, by so the way, we- I will say, a, a thing that did crop up to me, and I was like, mm, during the show was when, oh, I don't remember her name. I'm so bad with these people's names. But one of Ray's, well, we end up finding out that she's a half-sister. But when she goes into Bishop's home to find something, because yeah. I think she suspects he's like the judge or something. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't. But she goes into his room, and I think it's like a radiator. I don't know, some kind of weird, like, thing. Yeah. yeah. And there's a little orange square peeping out of it. And she's like, oh, that's where things are hidden. And opens it. And I said to myself, Bishop? The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> My, like, it's so obvious. It's not even something where you close, and there's like a little tiny corner piece. and blah, blah. It was a big enough piece that I'm pretty sure they did it that way so the camera could catch it. But I was like, Bishop, it's a white area. (laughs) (laughs) And this orange thing is popping out. You weren't hiding it. Who were you hiding it from? Wait, but the same thing that happens in this scene, and this is where we're going to end. This is going to be the last thing. But the same thing that happens in that in this scene is the sheriff and the judge are standing oh my at God. the entrance to Bishop's room's door. And that woman has one full fucking leg out the window and is just basically staring at them. She is in their eye line. They don't but they see her through their peripheral yeah. like eyes. They, they no, act there's no like peripheral. these people there's have no blinders. Peripheral. They have like horse vision. This entire town immediately in front of narrow them. vision. Sh- Something! <laughs> this is why Bishop was able to hide an orange envelope because the adults in this town won't see anything. No, turns out his dad, uh, this is what they didn't tell you, he's visually impaired. He's legally blind and he just doesn't wear his glasses. Because I, the sheriff, this is another part with the no, sheriff. No, not just Bishop's like, dad, the sheriff. They're both in the, the doorway. The sheriff doesn't see that. He, she could not have been more there if she had fucking gone up to them and like flicked them in the nose. The, the most <laughs> obvious thing I've ever seen. So yeah, I'm not surprised the orange girl I'm, was missed because that whole scene. No, no, I'm, I'm concerned about the sheriff. Like obviously concerned for uh, like general reasons, but more so I'm like, you're the sheriff. This is how you solve crimes. You don't have peripheral vision. You've never once been like, yo, there's a suspect near me. I got to watch out. And the judge, I'm like, so you're just out here. And anyone can do everything to you. And it's okay. Because you literally can only deal with whatever's right in front of you. That, I wouldn't even call it peripheral, okay? Like, it's not even. It's, it's, you, it's basically in your vision. When you literally. imagine, like, how you react to even just, like, a fly flying near you, I fucking overreact. Dude, the like, glasses, I will go crazy. The glasses that I have have, like, a silver thing, right? Like, a silver this. One of them was loose. When I tell you, I spent the entire entirety of thursday because it keeps moving up and down my glasses the entirety of thursday thinking there was a moth in my room because i kept turning and i'm like what's happening is there a ghost is there a moth no it's just a piece of my glasses but guess what it was in my periphery it was in my periphery bishop's dad's a black man like she's a hispanic man hispanic man they have their guard down too much in that town the bishop's dad's worried about Heather. You're worried about Heather. You should be worried about people in your house. Just worry about yourself. Freaking, freaking oh Samara God. from the ring could have done the tootsie <laughs> slide <laughs> right there and then, and you would have been chill with it. I am so happy we got to this point. I'm so happy you brought up that orange square because <laughs> we were losing our minds watching this scene. I I think it's in the first episode. Nat said something like, we were so loud. I was worried that like Christina's neighbors would be upset. She's talking about this scene because we were yelling. We were like, you can't see them. 
They're right. She's right fucking there. And then we're yelling at the girl. Move, bitch. Also, she like, just stays on the roof. <laughs> and then he leaves his house. Buddy, you don't turn around to look back at your house ever. You're locking the front door. You're walking to your car. When you're getting into your car, you're facing the fucking house. And you don't see her sitting on your... The man's the man can't see nothing. Blind. Nope. <laughs> but I will say that orange can't square does not help with this argument, though, just because if you look straight in that direction, he does have full, narrow, <laughs> in-your-face vision. That You can see that from across the hallway, homie. You know what? That place should... is all white or something, and it's just bam, bam. I think, honestly, I feel like it was just more than the orange square. I think you saw, like, it's like, oh, we need to give them a glimpse of, like, what could be in this um, little vent area. So let's have, like, a little plastic pop-up. Let's do a little of this, like, a nice, oosh, was it, a moose-boosh of, like, <laughs> like, mysterious shit. And I was like, nah, man, I can't. I feel so angry. So and then you immediately go bury it after someone she just went into your house. Where Mission? these are the kids Mission? that are expected to figure out clues <laughs> with Greek lettering and numbers. What well, about the dumb kids? Bishop I, wasn't expected to figure out anything. He I no, but he's representative. He's representative of what's at this school. He's Lauren Oliver, please. Like... Lauren Oliver, please. I need you to include dumb kid representation. <laughs> Purely, or even dumb adult representation, but yeah. like people who are there not smart, or at least not smart in multiple ways. I don't know anyone who knows Greek <laughs> Greek numbering and shit. I go only up to three, and it's a hassle to if be you quite had to frank. Hide something in this town, where would you hide it though? Instead of the vent. Between a book. Because people don't read books. Because no one in this town reads, for sure. Truly, on his bookshelf. He should have just had, like, a fake book. You think his dad's coming in his room? No, that's not true. I should take that back. That dad's it's coming father. in his room. It's a dad, black father that's that intense. Caught. I think he would, I think he would. I don't think he wanted to be caught because that money got stolen and, um, <laughs> and he had to he, sell that car. I think oh, yeah. he would have, I think, okay, I'm not saying this also, is really, but hey, maybe you can make the argument that, like, maybe he would have wanted to be caught by his dad because I do kind of wonder, I think when you grow up in a, environment like that there is almost an element of like i don't want to be perfect anymore like find out how bad i'm doing this so i'm gonna be i'm gonna leave the fucking orange stick hanging out there but then he was uh foisted by the fact that his father doesn't see anything that isn't directly in front of him as proven by the woman hanging out of his son's window i i just i I truly can't but i will say i'm i'm disappointed if we don't get the two hosts back in season two they were a delight they are so extra and i love it it's the Mm -hmm. same reason why i love fear street 1994 that those two characters kate and simon guys i know this is a panic episode but i need you to watch the fear (laughs) street movies especially 1994 because there are two characters named kate and simon who are so disturbingly funny who are they i watched this too kate justice for kate breadhead Right. Oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> and her friend. Also, oh yeah. 19, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Fear Street, nineteen seventy six or whatever it was. Seventy eight. Also, nineteen seventy eight had Gary, and Gary for me, Gary was like that movie. We loved Kate, Gary because I loved Gary. Gary yeah, was his, just the my f- favorite line by him that he would always say is "What?" Yeah. Gary Wait, who's was Gary? One, he was another counselor with the long curly the hottie? hair. The hottie? No, not the hottie. Oh, who's that? The The one in the outhouse. Yeah, the one in the outhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I will say I was kind of disappointed. I know this is not about panic, but (laughs) I was disappointed by um, 1978 Fear Street. I expected, listen, it's camp. It's the 70s, the the glory days of slasher films. I thought, hell yeah. I will say Kate and Simon mvps because they still what they did they did what needed to be done in mm-hmm. 1994 78 was fine it yeah. was fine but i will just say that you know justice for for kate and Simon, i agree with the that best. assessment i think i preferred 94 that's interesting i think i preferred 78 a little but i preferred the characters in 94 specifically i, think, kate I feel and like Simon. with 78 like you already knew it was going to happen 
by the beginning not that that's a bad thing that's not a problem for me yeah that's not like a bad thing but like i just like i didn't connect with any other characters like i was like i except for gary yeah i think the characters in 94 are better but i liked the storyline and i i think it was a better pacing that this is not what this is about we're over an hour (laughs) Nat loves to yell about our episodes being too long and now we've been doing this it's time for us to wrap up guys Thank you so much for listening. Ardo, thank you so much for being on. I'm so happy we did this. I want you to come on and comment on every single episode we yeah. do from now on. Um, I love talking about this shit, and you are so fun to have. So I think you should just, I think we should com- commit to that concept of the mutiny. I think you should just come on to this podcast forever. Yeah, um, I think when you try to end it earlier, and I, I told you no, because I wanted to bring up the the, the periphery thing. But I... <laughs> But when you said, oh, you know, this episode, uh, this was so much fun because there's so much to talk about this episode, I thought you were going to say, this is so much fun because Ardo is so much fun. And regardless of the content, <laughs> we would have a great time. And that's what I'm just going to go on believing happened instead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're very welcome to believe that. But I think you need to realize, only because you don't actually do these episodes with us, is that I would never say that to a person. No, no, no. I would think that. I would never tell them that to their face. And you know to what? Face, my I will be scathing. And you know what? My the the inherent need to to please I pe- to please people I respect. You have just fed into it. So I I like that this is going to be an ongoing um a thing. Yes. Yeah. So wrapping up again. Once again, <laughs> thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ardo. Thank you, Lauren Oliver. Thank you, Panic. We got so much. Legs you want you want to say thank you to thank Prime? You, thank I'm you, so... Ray Nicholson's fan club. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Ray Nicholson's fan club. Thank you to his titties. I will not thank Amazon Prime, only because Jeff Bezos doesn't need any more anything. You did so, it. Wow, I appre- <laughs> Congratulations. Um, as always, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at EatsCast. You can also find Ardo again, Ardo again on Put a Blurb on It, um, the podcast that you can listen to pretty much anywhere you also listen to us. And highly recommend you check out uh, their Twitter and Instagram as well. And I think I said two episodes back, oh, hey, we're going on a break. We'll be gone for six weeks. Now, I don't know what's happening because we're putting the panic episodes all up. So after this one, we're going on a break and we'll be back in August, maybe the first week of September. You can find it on our Twitter. I know your lives will be empty without us, but just keep watching panic and then listening to these episodes again and you'll be fine. All right. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Listen, there's one conversation that there's only one conversation that needs to happen about 1970, whatever. Why do all of these people think that an outhouse is sexy? Why is that the meeting place for making out and fucking? It's an outhouse. It like every time they show that room. I could literally smell it. Ew. And they were boning? Like, I do not understand. There was that moment where we were like, they were inside the outhouse toilet. I was like, I would rather die in that cave. I literally, me that. and That's Nat, you... at the same time, both, <laughs> no, no, me and Nat literally both typed, I would simply die, then crawl out of a shithole. I would literally be like, I guess I live in this cave now. I, well, I would at least say, I'm going to find another exit, to be honest. But, but I will say, I will say, I love that that was your thought. My initial thought when I was watching it with my friends over Google Meet was, so wait, they built an outhouse over a cave? So they've just been shitting into a cave? Yeah. That's the weird part for me. That was strange. <laughs>